Well, Ephesians is where we find ourselves this morning. And uh, not trying to do an in-depth teaching through Ephesians. It's just sort of working out that way. Um, it's just God stirring my heart. And, and I, you know, get notes together. And I realize they're about 25 pages. And that's three sermons, <laughs> not uh, one sermon. And so uh, I know it's the Lord. And, and I do know that it's sort of coming down to a similar thing theme at the end conclusion at the end and I can just tell you uh, it's just the Lord it's really what the Lord is directing is not what I'm coming up with and uh, and today will be no different the the conclusion will be as we obey we will be lights and salts and and people will come to Christ and we will help them walk through the gospel of John or through a Christian foundation materials or one year into it, 10 years into it, and see them make disciples and learn how to disciple. Um, it's going to be an exciting time. Because in the past, a church could just sit and people from the neighborhoods would trickle in. People would see a sign or God would stir their heart and they would without any aid of anybody else in the church, no knowledge of anybody in the church, would show up. And hopefully the pastor, especially on Sunday mornings, would give an appeal to people to be saved. And they might come to Christ, come four or five times and then come to Christ. That's not happening. It hasn't happened in 10 years. <laughs> I mean, there's a few exceptions, but probably closer to 15 years, it hasn't happened. And so the population of the churches across America are substantially down. I know some Calvary chapels that used to be five, ten thousand people that are now down to a couple of hundred. A lot of Calvaries that used to be a couple of hundred, they're now down to 30 or 40. Not a couple, but a lot. But I think it's just God preparing the church to obey him fully. It's to our advantage that to catch a fish is a little harder. It's going to make us fishermen in the way the Lord has. But of course, the, the first step in that is to get our eyes in Jesus and to love Jesus, to bless Jesus. And from that walk and that love and that fullness of Christ in us, we are witnesses. Jesus didn't say, become a witness. You know, it's sort of you sit there and, oh, mm, I can feel it. I can feel it. You know, like some superpowers coming over me and I'm going to feel like go talking to the guy at the gas station. No, it's just you are. The moment you became a Christian, you are saved. You are an eternal being now for eternity. You're going to live with Christ for eternity. The moment you believe, you have eternal life. And another thing we automatically are is witnesses. We are automatically the light and the salt of the world, to the world, for the world. And so now we just need to walk out all that God has spoken, all that God is doing. So last week we looked in particular at the mysteries of his will that have now been revealed. In Ephesians 1.9, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself. We, we just learn that the mystery is just Jesus. God 
so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that second person of the trinity coming into human flesh and dying for all of our sins being buried rose again the third day that we could have forgiveness of sins and eternal life that is a mystery and you know what guys it is to most of your neighbors most of the people you see oh they look like good people well, i don't want to bother their walk i don't want to disturb them at the park i don't want to disturb them in their house i don't want to disturb them at the grocery store i don't want to bother them while they're getting gas i and here they are in their own souls feeling the guilt and shame of their sin needing forgiveness and causing anxiety they they just had a report come out this week and it's not only in the United States but throughout all of Europe the number one reason young people are dying is suicide and who if somebody had bought, bumped into them at the store and said let me give you this what if somebody had knocked at their door I, I really I really think that many of these people who are committing suicide are doing it and it's to our shame because there's probably Christians on all around their block and none of them coming to bring that mystery of the gospel the mystery of his will to them so the mystery is just Jesus knowing Jesus there's a lot of other mysteries mysteries of his will we saw in John 15 15 no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. So you guys are not my servants, you're my friends, and everything the Father's given me, I have said every single word to you. The mysteries are being revealed day by day as they were following Jesus. It didn't hit him all at once. Now he will say in John, there's a whole lot more, but the Holy Spirit will take from me and speak it to your life. We saw Jesus rejoicing in this in Matthew 13, 11. Everybody else who heard the parables couldn't understand them, but he said to his disciples, he answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. And then in Matthew 13, verse 16 and 17, blessed are your eyes for they see, your ears for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Isn't that radical? David wanted to know. Daniel wanted to know. Isaiah wanted to know. Jeremiah, they all wrote in part. They didn't quite understand what they were even writing as they were writing it down. The last and final prophet who happened to be the greatest man that had ever lived from Adam all the way up to that point where Jesus was talking. The greatest man of God was John the Baptist. And he said, let me tell you, in the kingdom that's coming, the least, the least Christian, I don't know who that would be or what it would look like, but it probably wouldn't look great. <laughs> the 
probably a Christian that has no fruit in his life, but he's born again. The least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Do we understand what it means that we understand this mystery? And this mystery is the power of God to everyone who hears. Yes, there are a lot of people who will see it as foolishness. There are a lot of people, it'll be a stumbling block. What do you mean I'm a sinner? I'm a good person. What do you mean, you know? The gospel is offensive to those who God is not calling to himself. Okay? We just walk over to the tree and we look at the apples and or the oranges and we're like, hey, that one looks sort of ripe. We take it, pluck it off. Oh, sour. I got to let those ferment a little more. Got to give them more time. That's all we're doing. But when God's Holy Spirit's already been calling them, already leading them, the fields are white into harvest. When we go to declare the mystery, it's like opening up the gates of a dam. Do you remember when you came to Christ? I am a sinner. Yes, that's true. Yes, I want forgiveness. Yes, I want to get rid of this guilt and shame. Yes, I'm full of anxiety and fear every day as I don't know where I'm going to go when I die. I would like to tell you how you can know you can be forgiven by God from all your sins. I would like to share, it would take a moment to tell you how God wants to give you the gift of eternal life and it starts this very second when a person believes. Those guys are out there, they're ripe. They're white unto harvest, which means you've got just a few days before they go bad. Commit suicide maybe. Or Satan comes in with one of his lying colts and leads a heart that's touched towards Jesus to be start following Mormonism or Jehovah Witnesses or some Eastern religion. Jesus, in essence, is saying that we need to see every day as a day of urgency. And just, what? Do you, do you know how to have all your sins forgiven by God? Get out of here. I'm going to tell the police on you. Can't you see I'm trying to buy groceries? Oh, sorry. Not ripe tree. Go to the next tree. I'll tell you what. They're doing it in Iran. And when you get it wrong there, you go to prison. We had a guy in our church, Calvary San Diego, who was sharing the Lord on the Ben-Gurion Street in Israel. And then he wanted to get a coffee and standing in line, there was a group of about 80 high school kid Hasidic Jews. And as he went to get his coffee, the guy in the bar grabbed him by the collar pulled him back behind the bar, said, there's the back door, run and don't stop running. These guys will kill you. And he had literally said a couple of words about Christ to somebody. And one of those kids overheard it. And he goes, they will kill you. We're not there yet. A couple more years of Newsom will be there, but, <laughs> but uh, not there yet. So, guys, we have the mystery of knowing Jesus. We have the mystery of his will. Remember back in Ephesians 1.7, all this is according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound or be lavished 
towards us in all wisdom and prudence. Remember Ephesians 1.3? Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Earthly blessings? Yes, if you obey me, I'll give you all the earthly blessings. I'm going to bless you so much until you die on earth. And then in heaven, uh, no, there's no blessings up in heaven. Who would feel cheated? I'll tell you what, I, I did carpentry for years and I built some incredible houses. And these, I mean, these guys would order their flooring from Italy or Israel or some other country and it cost them $300,000 just to get the material and we put it down, no joke. I didn't, I wasn't a part of this, but there was a guy who was in construction, he told me that there was one guy who wanted bricks in his house but every one of them had to tune to the key of e <laughs> this is no joke and 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 so guys are just bing okay here's one that's that's when you got way too much money on this earth isn't it but you know what happens after you get that three hundred thousand dollar flooring you forget it's even there get that royal toilet you know it's pink and oh it's amazing it's just a toilet after a couple of days weird isn't it I'm so glad that we get spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ he's lavishing it upon us well we come now to verse 10 today that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together into all things into Christ both in heaven and which are on earth in him. So more mysteries being revealed. Dispensation is literally just the word management, like a household manager or a steward or the master of a family. It also is literally just the word economy. So a steward gives economy of task and times for those stewards under him to accomplish the role of what's in a house or to manage a business. So God has provided dispensations of times. And I'm not going to go back to, you know, you have the Edemic dispensation. And then you have the time after that up to the flood. And then after the flood, Abraham to uh, Egypt when he got Moses. And there, there's different dispensations of time. And, and God reveals himself. But that's not what's going on here. That's a Bible study of another time. Here he's just simply saying that we now are in the dispensation of grace when men only have to believe in their hearts and they can be saved and have eternal life. And then with the fraction of time they have left, whether it's 10 years or 50 years left after they receive the Lord, every good work they do becomes treasure in heaven. This dispensation of time is only now. The tribulation's coming and the tribulation period, yeah, you believe in the work of Christ by grace, but then you gotta work like crazy not to take the mark of the beast and not to deny Christ under torture. It's not gonna be a time you wanna come to Christ. But in this dispensation of grace, it's just believe in your heart, Jesus is Lord, and that God's raised him from the dead and you're saved. He's rich to all 
who call upon his name. It's a giant door that's open. Anybody who will come, anybody who will believe. And then he says, so in this dispensation of the fullness of time, this word fullness is you can't take another drop. So it's like a glass of water and you're filling it up, filling it up, filling it up, and you give one more drop, it's gonna pour over the side. So this season of grace, this dispensation of grace is gonna keep happening and happening. We know in Romans 11, till the last Gentile saved. And then this time is gonna be over. But we of all peoples on earth are gonna be seen from those who lived in all other dispensations of time before us and after us as the most sweetest time people can live. because we have such a joyful gospel of salvation, so easy to speak, so easy to hear, and God's Holy Spirit is in the world convicting men of sin and righteousness of judgment. God's bringing people to himself continually. The fields are widened to harvest, and all we have to do is understand the mystery of his will. And then to daily say, Lord, in this dispensation of time, I want to walk in that perfect will. Now, there are two different words for time in the Greek. There is one that's chronos, and this is talking about a quantity of time. Like, for example, exactly how long are you going to preach today? That would be chronos, as you look at your clocks. The other one is kairos, which is quality of time. Boy, didn't we have a great time yesterday spending it together. It doesn't matter about the actual amount of time, when it started, when it stopped, if it's at noon. No, it's just there was this wonderful, great time we had. This is that word being used here, the kairos. It's emphasizing not an exact time on a calendar, but a fullness of time, a quality. God is going to make all things come together in the best quality or rightness of time in Christ on heaven and on earth. So right now, God has strategically planned, worked out right now for all peoples, for all times. So in this dispensation of time, yes, it's being worked out on a grander scale, but it's also being worked out individually. Isn't that crazy? that you can say in your time of living on this earth is a dispensation for me, the mystery of God's will for me, and that I would have a quality in Christ. All that I am, all I will ever be in heaven and on earth, I'm in Christ right now. In Ephesians 2.10, we're gonna get there, it says, for we have workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. God preordained beforehand that we should walk in them. The moment you said, Jesus be the Lord of my life, you know what we discovered? That God has predestined us. What does that mean? Pre, before, destined, destination. That everybody who believes is predestined we're going to see later to come into the image of christ but in this case we are all god says whoever believes in me i will have a daily plan for them 
a supernatural, Jesus, fruitful plan for every day they live after that. Isn't that what it's saying? Quality? That in the dispensation of time, there will be a quality, yes, for all believers, but individually, God has a plan prepared for that you should walk in it. If we're wise and understand the will of the Lord, we will walk in it. And so what is this climax for all of this dispensation? What is the end game? To gather in one all things in Christ. Do you see that phrase? Gather together in one all things in Christ. That's one Greek word. I cannot say it. It's 15 letters long. Okay. But it's found here and it's only found one other place in Romans 13 verse 9. But we need to read verse 8 through 10 to get the context. Romans 13, 8, Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves one another has fulfilled the law. Now he's going to explain this. Verse 9, For the commandments you will not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you will not bear false witness, you shall not covet. There, if there is any other commandment, all are summed up. There's the word. There's this word. Gather into all things into Christ. This is that word. Gather, have all been summed up. That's another way of saying it. In saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. God is going to make all things come together in the best quality or rightness of time. How? When he gathers it together. To try to understand that, Romans says, let me explain to you. We need no law. Because if you'll love your neighbor as yourself, you won't only not steal from him, but you'll give to him. And if that guy's your worst enemy, you'll still give to him. You'll pray for him. You'll bless him. If he's hungry, you'll feed him. If he's thirsty, to give him a drink. You see, the law is being fulfilled in love. If we're loving God, we don't have to have a law that says don't use his name in vain or don't have another idol or don't have an idol in front of him and worship that idol. We don't need the law in love so now we come back to this issue in verse 10 it's not about love and simply love accomplishes all of that it's about time not the seconds that click upon the clock but it's all united in christ romans 11:36 says it this way for of him and through him and to him are all things do me glory forever and ever amen the very end of colossians 3 11 says this but christ is all in all so all that has existed in all times the total summing up of it all the total uniting of it all is going to come together in glorifying christ all creation all creatures in that creation in philippians 2 a passage we know well verse 9 through 11 therefore god the father has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name that at the name of jesus every knee should bow those in heaven those on earth those under the earth what is that those already with the Lord in heaven, our loved ones that have passed on and are with the Lord, those are on the earth, that's people like us. Under the earth, those who are non-believers in Hades, in the waiting place for the final judgment. 
So every human being, believer or not, every angel, whether a demon or not, every creature, all of creation, and then he goes on to say, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to glory of God the Father. If you're here right now and you're saying, oh, that burns, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, oh, let it be in me. Nobody can say that unless the Holy Spirit it lives in them. But if you're here saying, ah, oh, who cares about giving God glory or give Jesus glory in the Father's name, well, come on, this isn't practical. Tell me how to pet my dog nicelier. Tell me how to be a good American. Tell me how to be a kind neighbor. Give me something practical. To the glory of Christ, because that's the will and the joy of the Father. No, ridiculous. Those who are born again, the Spirit in them says, Oh, Jesus, be glorified completely. Oh, Father, rejoice in me that I'm giving Jesus, your Son, all glory. Another interesting point in this phrase, it's found in the middle voice. In the English, we just simply have an active and passive but in the middle voice, it actually describes this. You're the one doing the action, but you're also the one receiving the action. So if I'm cooking some eggs, I'm the one cooking the eggs, but I'm also gonna be the one eating the eggs. This is what this is saying. Christ, by his preordained design, is making all of these things happen. And then it also is the Father's doing unto Christ. He's the doer and the receiver. We're going to get to later in Ephesians 1, but listen to verse 20 to 23. Which he, Father, worked in Christ when he, the Father, raised Jesus from the dead and seated him, Jesus, as his Father's right hand in heavenly places far above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age which is to come. And he, referring to the Father, put all things under his, referring to the Son, Jesus' feet, and gave him, Jesus, to be the head over all things to the church. Wow. And is his, Jesus' body, the fullness of him, Jesus, who fills all in all. Wow, let's just pause for a moment. There is a quality of time that's gonna be found in Jesus. Whether that's now or whether that's into the future, eventually everybody is gonna focus on Jesus. Non-believers, fallen angels, people that have already died, people that are alive, Everyone is eventually going to see Jesus is all in all. And what does Jesus say to that in that passage in Ephesians 2? Especially the church. He's the head. The number one thing, when Jesus says, all authority, all power has been given to me, the thing above everything, the church. The bride. Do, do, do you get this? A fallen society like ours is telling you constantly church is a waste of time. 
The church building should be torn down and used for a community center. When you share somebody about Christ, you're a nerd. You're an uneducated hick. You love your guns and your Bible. That's what you bunch of Christians are. And, and it's getting into our heads. And we need to soak in the word every day and seek God to see things through his eyes that if I put Christ now at this moment as my all in all, then I can walk in that plan that he prepared before time began that I should walk in. I will walk in. It'll be full. But all things are heading to eventually whether man wills it or not, God himself is going to see his son lifted up above every name. Those in heaven, those on the earth, those waiting for the day of judgment, they will all look upon Jesus and see that he was Savior, that he is the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity who humbled himself into human flesh and he raised again in human flesh forever to live in human flesh. And that we who believe in him will raise again exactly as Christ raised again and have the exact same righteous body, the righteous standing as a child of God, as Jesus himself for all of eternity. As Jesus is in the Father and the Father is in the Son, that we would be in them and they in us in this perfect unity. And that in the fullness of time, all fulfillment comes when every, all of creation and every creature will recognize that. But then he turns around and says, until that time, as we sense the dispensation of time moving us to that point, that right now everybody who jumps in line and gets in that wave and starts riding that wave, and they start now lifting Jesus up above every name that they see Jesus as everybody is eventually going to see Jesus as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, as the God of love who, who died on the cross and paid for everybody's sins. Not one person will go to hell that their sins weren't paid for. Not one person in hell did not have the same opportunity whoever would believe in him at that moment would be cleansed from their sins and have everlasting life. But we now, don't, don't get, let the world get into your head and start telling you church is stupid and unessential and not important and reading the Bible, eh, you know, the newspaper's better and, and praying, oh, well, yeah, pray, I don't know, God it helps me pray, but I, I don't know if anything really happens when I pray. And, and, it, and it's just like, no, guys, he is all in all right now. He is all powerful right now. There's a was a radio Christian radio pastor for years, and I couldn't always hear the radio program, but I would try to tune in in the first minute of his broadcast because it would start off with a little bit of music, and then the words would come: "God is still on the throne, and prayer changes everything." I just so many times so anxious so worried, 
so burdened, so unsure of the future, especially as a young man, I would hear those words and it would just be like, oh, God's on the throne. And whatever is happening right now, prayer changes that. I can go to God in prayer and everything will be moved by his almighty power. So Paul is describing a possibility of being in Christ as Christ is in us. I love Acts 17, 28. It says, for in him we live and move and have our being. Do you love that? In him we live and move and have our being. So to us the mysteries of his will are known to us that we might walk in them now. That quality can happen in this very moment. Colossians 3, 17 says, yes, there's no earthly insignificant thing we do that can't be filled with glory to Christ. Listen to Colossians 3, 17. For whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to him, the Father, through all in all. In Romans, he says, eating and drinking, walking, talking, sleeping, everything we can do to the glory of God if we are living with him in the center of our lives. So we gather all things together in Christ, both in heaven and on earth. Well, we know the mysteries of this, don't we? It's the millennial reign. We know the mystery from the beginning to the end. There's nothing that we don't know now, according to the scripture. Right now, we are living in a time where we are looking for the signs of the time of the final season. And we know when we start seeing the signs of the time in that final season, now some of those signs are seen in every generation. And so every generation at times gets excited saying, it's happening, I think, within the next 10 years or so. And this was the Lord's design. You have a guitar, that's wonderful. But what do you got to do to that guitar constantly? Tighten, too tight. You got to get an exact tension six times in a row. And now you can play music. If not, it's just confusion, right? Even one string, a little bit flat or a little bit sharp. It's like, ah. That's our lives. We need the tensions. The Lord's coming, I think, any day. So right now, as we live, there's going to be a moment. It's going to take most people by surprise. In a moment, a twinkling of an eye, the rapture of all believers. We're caught up together to be with the Lord in the clouds. In that moment, we get our brand new body. All those who are with the Lord will get their brand new bodies. We all graduate together. We all get our graduation out garments together. And we're caught up to be with the Lord. And on earth, there's a seven-year tribulation period. In heaven, there's a seven-year marriage feast of the church with Christ. But on earth it's a seven-year tribulation designed to save all of Israel God elected three things he elected the nation of Israel he elected Jesus and he elected New Testament believers of the Jews and Gentiles both we look at each of those three elections we realize the moment the election takes place it is going to be completed 
He who began that good work, he is going to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, the rapture. At the, at the seven-year tribulation period is over, and I could talk all about that, the Antichrist, the Mark of the Beast, uh, world, one world government, one world religion, one world economy system where you have to get the Mark 6-6, one world um, religion, army, money. But it's not important for us right now. At the end of that time, Christ is going to come, and all of us with Christ are going to mount up our horses, come out of the heavens. We're all riding on horses. I, I, I think that's so cool. <laughs> Cruising by Mars and Venus and, you know, touching some sand around one of the dust clouds around one of the moons. And we all come to Jerusalem. Christ goes right down to the Battle of Armageddon. All the nations of the world have finally united against the Antichrist. But then when they see Jesus, they could care less about the Antichrist. They now want to kill the Christ. This is the final battle of Armageddon. And then for a thousand years, we rule and reign with Christ on earth. All those who have believed in him in the tribulation period will live for a thousand years. All those who are born in that time will live. A baby can be a hundred years old and still be a child, the Bible tells us. And all of the division, it's interesting as I've been listening to a lot of different teachings on Ephesians and on others. I'm listening to one pastor and, and he's saying, yes, right now in Europe, there is division like you wouldn't believe it. And he describes the division. It's exactly what's happening right now. And I look at it, it was three years ago. A pastor talking about the division and, and all the angry people and the youth. And, and I'm like, when was that? It was a year and a half ago. There are those who are looking for the signs of the time, preparing their hearts. They've been seeing it for years. For some of us now who are sort of dense, once it hits us upside the head, we're like, wow, things are really divided. We're like, yeah, that's, that's a part of the signs of the time. That's a part of what the Bible tells us we are going to see. Um, he says, uh, moving a little out of my notes here, but it says in those days, lawlessness, in Matthew 24, 12, lawlessness would abound, the love of many grow cold. We're seeing lawlessness abound. We're seeing that division. But in that millennial reign, all division, all this people, this unrest is going to end. In Isaiah 2, verse 2, it says this, now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord house shall be established on top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. This is a prophecy that's not yet happened, but it's going to happen. The Lord's going to establish his kingdom in Jerusalem and all the peoples of the world can flow up to Jerusalem no matter where they live in the world. Hear Bible studies from Jesus and hang out with Jesus. In verse 3, Isaiah 2, 3, many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways. We shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. In Isaiah 2, 4, he shall judge between nations and rebuke many people. Interesting enough, even though they're living on a perfect earth and everybody who's in government is people 
who are born-again believers in a brand new body, perfectly righteous as Jesus is righteous. But men hate the righteousness. Men hate the fact that Jesus has all power. Rulers of the world hate having to submit to this king from Jerusalem, this priest, this Bible teacher in Jerusalem. They, they hate having a world full of righteousness. Everybody's a bunch of Sunday school people, uh, you know. It, they hate it. And it's not a couple of people. For a thousand years, they can see Jesus, hear Jesus. They're on an earth governed by Jesus. And the longer it goes on, the deeper they hate it. This is why it tells us in Psalms 2 and Revelations 2 that God's going to rule with a rod of iron. And those who are in that place, he's going to hit them like a clay pot with an iron bat and not allow them to penetrate the earth. That some men will be rebellious even in the most perfect of times. You know what this tells us, guys? That us being saved now is a miracle of miracles, of miracles, of miracles. You know what I mean? It, it shows man's heart how wicked it is, even if Jesus was right in front of them, teaching them, loving on them, not for a day or two, not for three years like the apostles, but for a thousand years. After seeing Christ, hearing Christ, learning of Christ, seeing perfect righteousness, that many people on the earth in human flesh, sinners as they are, they can't stand the rule of Christ. But Jesus will force it. In Isaiah 2.4, the second part, they shall beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. All this division, all of this unrest will cease. Look how wonderful it's going to be during this time. Isaiah 11.6, the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. So even the creation itself is at rest. A leper shall lie down with a young goat, a calf and the young lion and the fatling together. A little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young ones shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw with an ox. The nursing child shall play with the cobra's hole and the weaned child shall put his hand into the viper's den and they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day there shall be the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a banner to the people. And for the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. And boy, the whole chapter is amazing. I just have to stop. Knowing where God is leading all things, let us now submit to that. Romans 15, verse 5 and 6 says, Now may the God of peace and comfort grant you to be like-minded towards one another, according to Christ Jesus, that you with one mind, with one mouth, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are eventually going to get into Ephesians where Paul's leading this. And it's in chapters 4 and 5. Unity. He's bringing us into unity where we all put Christ first and walk in that predestined plan that he's laid out for us now that we've believed and walk in it in God's spirit. 
Listen to Ephesians 4, him describe it in verse 3 through 6. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body, one spirit, just as you're called into one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father above all and through all and in you all. Then he goes on to say in the fullness of times. What's he saying? An end is coming. An end is coming to all this evil, all sin, all pain, all suffering, all injustice. There's a fullness of time which speaks of an end. Right now, before Christ's return, there is a spirit of lawlessness, division, unrest. Matthew 24, 12, the lawlessness will abound. Anybody see that lately? It's a spirit, isn't it? It's not isolated. And love of many is grow cold. I'll tell you what. When I speak on bitterness or forgiveness, I will have people come up and tell me, my dad hasn't talked to me in 20 years. I haven't talked to my brother in 20 years. I don't talk to my whole family. I'm isolated. My kids won't talk to me. My parents won't talk to me. It's just astounding to me how love has grown cold, even natural love that a non-believer made in the image of God can have. What's our response? James 5 says in verse 7 and 8, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until he receives the early and the latter rain. You also be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Joel spoke of the day of Pentecost, an outpouring of his spirit at the front of the church. But Joel also talks about a second rain in the, the times before the tribulation period and in the tribulation period where another day of Pentecost will come. It's coming, guys. So why is knowing the mystery of his will so important? That we would know his will and be a part of it right now. In 2 Peter 3, 9, this is people saying, oh, you've always said the Lord's coming back and it's a bunch of, a bunch of bull. And then he says in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord's not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but his long-suffering towards us not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So some of you say, for my calculations of things, all the end times prophecies that need to happen before the rapture of church have already happened. Let's see, the gospel go to the four corners of the world? Yes. Is man going to and fro throughout the earth? Yes. Is Europe, the Roman Empire being reunited, the EU? Yes. Is Israel a nation again? No, it can't happen. They've been separated for 2,000 people. There's no way the Jews could have a country again. There's no way they could speak Hebrew again. There's no way Jerusalem could be their capital again. This is all recent history, guys. Yes. Well, why hasn't he come back? He's waiting for you guys to start sharing with your neighbors. Right there. God hasn't come back because some of your coworkers, some of your families, some people that live in your community will come to Christ if somebody shares Christ with them. And so he's dragging this thing out because he doesn't want to see man perish but have everlasting life. That's it. So God has a will and he wants you to know it and there it is. Do not be unwise. But understand what the will of the Lord is, it says in Ephesians 5. So what do we do? We open our Bible. 
We let God reveal it to us day by day. What will we see? We're going to be the light. You will share your faith with others. Some of them will come to know Christ as you do. Some won't. Thus you will be a part of the mystery of his will. So doing his will, you will discover the greatest joy, the greatest meaning of life. Jesus said it this way, John 15, 10, 11. If you keep my commandment, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandment, abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you, that you may, your, that my joy may remain in you, and your joy may be full. The opposite is also true with the disobedience and grief. Proverbs 22, 8, Solomon in all his wisdom said, He who sows iniquity will reap sorrow. We know that side of the coin too, don't we? If you walk in God's moral will, you will find you're walking in his sovereign will. The best example of this is Jesus' disciples. In Matthew 4, 19, in that day they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Oh, there, there's a whip. Anyway, a little girl screaming over there. Anyway, Matthew 4:19. Then he said to them, "Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men." This is the first disciples. And now he's saying the same thing to us in the same way. Simply obey, simply listen to the call and respond to that call and discover the great sovereign will of God. Colossians 1:26, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to us, his saints, all of us believers. To them God will to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is what? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Once again, Romans 11:36. Of him, through him, to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Those men who simply followed Jesus came to know the knowledge of the mystery of his will and began to experience a great sovereign adventure. Isn't it true? Those apostles, the moment they followed Christ until the day they die, they had a ride of their life. And that's what Christ wants us to have. So if we wanna go by the game plan of the last 150 years, we just show up to church, sing some songs, hear a sermon, live, live for Christ obediently, and wait for the non-Christians to come through our door. When you look at the reports of Barna and stuff, most Christians have never read the whole Bible. Most Christians have never in their lifetime shared the Lord with somebody. And for sure, a greater percentage yet have never had the joy of actually seeing somebody come out of darkness into light and to begin to follow Jesus. I know it's God's will that all of us be the light and the salt, that all of us would open our mouth wide and watch him fill it. And, and to, to be a witness. Whether you go to church, that's up to the Lord. We're not peddling the word of God. We're not selling Calvary Chapel Los Alamitos. We are just telling people about Christ. Do you want to know how to be forgiven from all of your sins? Do you want to know that you can know for sure where you'd go if you die? That you would have the gift of eternal life? How many people would jump all over that and say, I'd love to know that. How? How? 
Are you ready? You want verses to share with them? Lord, we come before you now as we understand the fullness of time is upon us, that we are now coming to the end of this dispensation where men can be saved by grace alone, believing in you alone. And Lord, we just want to have all, been all, said all, loved all, hugged all, spoke all, prayed all, read all, experienced everything you have for us, Lord, lacking nothing. We ask right now, Lord, to put you as the Lord of our life. You to be our focus every second we wake up until we go to sleep. And even while we're in our sleep, we're seeking you, praying without ceasing, meditating your word day and night, and, and just wanting to love people the way you love them, wanting to speak light in this darkness, wanting to pour salt to make people thirsty or to heal their wounds. God, forgive us. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord, for holding my Christianity to myself and putting it under a bed and hiding that light. Lord, help me, help all of us to put our light out there to be light for all men. Lord, you said if salt is not salty, it has no other secondary purpose. It's like pebbles on the ground. Lord, make us a salt of the earth that men will get thirsty just being around us saying, what must I do to be saved? Help us in our weakness, God. Make us the men and women of God after your own heart who do all your will. In Jesus' precious name, amen.